0: Buddy, and welcome to Beyond Pod. We're recording this after the end of this week's episode, so because uh, we ended up having to cut this into three because it ended up being so long. But then, you know, we were covering one man's entire solo career all in one go. So really, I, I'm an idiot to think this was all going to be one episode initially, or two, or two. It's three now. We
1: started this week with you thinking it, we were going to get it all done. In two episodes.
0: I we started this when it was light. It's now getting dark. It's
1: getting dark. Yes. <sighs> Literally spent the whole day. Well, Talk- maybe not the whole day recording this, but.
0: Anyway, talking of things that get dark. Fishy's solo career.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. Uh, well, uh, I was going to say we'll catch you at the end, but you're going to. This is just going to run into the next bit, even though we're recording this after whatever I say next. What do you think I'm going to say next? Guess the first word. No, she doesn't want it. Okay, <laughs> here comes us <laughs> talking about fish. I
1: couldn't think of one.
0: Let's go through the album "Field of Crows," which had a Mark Wilkinson cover that you like because it's. Um, I need to see it again. It's inspired by Van Gogh, or um... Van Gogh, if you prefer.
1: Isn't it hoch?
0: <laughs> hoch.
1: Isn't that how you say it? <laughs> or maybe not.
0: Vincent Wankoff.
1: Oh, look. <laughs> I thought you just said you were a nice boy. You just said that you were a nice boy. Oh, cheeky boy. Oh yeah, I do like. I do like
0: that. Yeah, well, you can thank Vincent Wankoff for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, the bulk of this album was written with uh well, Bruce Watson who had been in the band Big Country, uh, was the, the main songwriter with contributions from uh, Frank Usher and then on the title track from Tony Terrell as well. And then a guy called Irvin Duguid. <laughs> Sorry. it's
2: a real surname.
0: I know it is. Uh, but he, he, gets, um, he gets credit on each of the songs, which is straight, given that he's only a clavinet player on track six. That can't be right. Anyway, um, again produced by Elliot Ness. Again, production. This for me, production-wise, it sounds so cheap. The original version of this, the keyboards especially, it sounded like it was recorded on like, like one of those little old Casio keyboards, you no. know, the, the really cheap one. Yeah, the, the, the
1: um, toys basically.
0: Again, the remaster slightly better, but you, you, you know, you can only polish a turd so much.
1: Oh wow! Ouch. Uh,
0: so you've got here the first track, of "The Field," I quite like. "Moving Targets" is all right, and then i don't really like anything else on the album um i mean the title track scattering crows is all right innocent party's okay i don't know it's it's okay i mean the themes in terms of sort of what's uh going on there very much um relationship issues
1: oh again oh my god with who this time I don't know
0: there's there's more of a
1: so he'd split up with his wife at this point was he single or had he
0: well I don't know if he was having relationships I think what what the sense I get in the lyrics and I'll read some out to you the sense I get is there's more of a sort of sense of regret and a sense of uh loss there as opposed to the anger
2: Right. I mean, there okay. is one
0: song, Innocent Party, that's on there, where he sings, don't talk to me about justice, freedom, truth and democracy, when all you left me were false hopes, lies, empty promises. I can't say the words without doing it in a comedy, angry thing. Your <sighs> selfish behaviour, don't make out that you're the innocent party. Anyway.
1: Still angry.
0: We're still angry, but the rest of it, it doesn't seem angry. Right. There's also still a sense of him not being where he wants to be in his life. On the track, The Lost Plot, he says, the plot was lost or so I found. I went in search of higher ground, but my head was in the clouds chasing dragons. I thought I could fly on wings of desire. didn't realise how far I could fall, how low I could crawl. Oh,
2: that's
0: tragic. Um, yeah. I, I was shouting too loud, king of the crowd, a victim of my vanity too proud. I never saw it coming. I was blinded by light, but the vision had died. Ouch.
1: That's telling.
0: Remember when I said last week that there was a there were two threads throughout his career lyrically that he kept returning to? Mm. That and relationships. Yeah. But then he sings on sort of like the, the on Scattering Crows, Let Me Run to You Through an Open Field and you'll see me coming. And he sort of sings, there's always time, time to look back, time to regret, time to remember just how we met. Time slips slowly by as I stare at forever and I wonder if we still have time after all is said and done. Still you're the only one to touch my soul.
1: Oh, I wonder who that's dedicated to. Well, I think to.
0: it's, I think at this point, it was all, I mean, it must have been Tammy.
1: So maybe even though they'd split up, there was still hope there that they could make it work?
0: Maybe, but you know, it's when you split up with someone long term, I suppose there's a degree of mourning and grief. And grief course, is a, a, yes. a, like a process, yeah, which you go course. through different stages. It's a, yeah, it's a bad album. Sorry, I'm saying it. It's just, I just don't like this album. It's not even one that I can go objectively, it's a good album. It's got some, like, it's rock. It's a rock album. That's all it is with some ballads on there. Mm. It's not interesting but to me.
1: It, nothing um, on there stands out for you as something you would revisit time and again?
0: No. No. The the remix is by Chris Kimsey, who, of course, did Miss Space Childhood and... Catching the Straws and Internal Exile. And it, it does improve it, but it doesn't, like Fish's claimed make it sound like a completely different album. It still sounds cheap because it's cheap keyboard sounds and I don't know. I mean, Fish did talk around the time about uh, the marriage and what happened, what went wrong-ish. He says, I married the wrong person. If I'm forced to put my hand up, I think I'd married a trophy wife. I was 29. I felt like I had to get married, had to settle down, but wrong, wrong, wrong. So we're going through relationship strife on that 87 tour. Wow. And then the drugs, the alcohol, I was unhappy and lonely. I wasn't quite a cocaine-addled alcoholic, but I did have issues. He also said around the time about career. he said, I accept the reality of where I am, and I just want to make great albums that I am proud of and deliver quality songs in my own inimitable maverick style. It would be absolutely ironic if something like Zoo Class suddenly got picked up and became a hit. Unlikely, because ZooCast is is horrible.
2: (laughs) It's horrible.
0: (laughs) No. I'm going to read you the lyrics out in a minute. Um, You said it would be the worst thing to happen to me because I want to be in my garden. (laughs) Um,
1: Okay. I don't have the hassle of that
0: media onslaught and intrusion into your privacy that goes with being a rock star.
1: That's Uh, telling. I am privileged and humbled by the fact
0: that I've been there, done it, ticked it off, and got a wardrobe full of T-shirts. Even then, 2004, just wanted to be a gardener. So what else was going on? Oh no, no, I was just let me just read you Zoo Class. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. I've, my, I've done a terrible job of organizing my notes.
1: <laughs> just it's saying. okay, I can't tell.
0: It's so Zoo Class, which, as far as I can tell, seems to be a song about an animal orgy. Goes no. <laughs> Uh, Talk with the animals, fuck with the animals, hump and grunt and suck and sweat, loving like an animal, living like an animal. Tired of the rabbit and pig sick of the cow, dreamed of hunting beaver and the balls to fall around. Put a birdie on the bunker, she took eagles on the green, and the snake in the long grass ate pussy, and the cat got the cream.
1: Why has he written this?
0: I don't know. Why did he do that?
1: Did he talk about it? Anywhere, like why? Know. What was the thinking behind the choice? No,
0: it's horrible. It's horrible.
1: And and this is the one. He's like, oh, imagine if it gets picked up by the radio and yeah. somehow. I don't think radios are gonna radios gonna play that.
0: Not if they've got any sense. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. So when they finally finally split up with when he finally split up with Tammy, it was because, in his words, he says she'd been having another affair. No idea why she sold her story to the paper. So something else went slightly wrong.
2: Mm.
0: His office manager Mm. uh, stole between 100 and 150 grand off him.
1: Oh, what?
0: Although we won a civil case against her, apparently she disappeared and still owes him the money.
1: Man, this Uh, guy's luck.
0: I know. It's just just like nothing else. And unfortunately, it's not going to get any easier as we go through the next couple of albums
1: does it ever
0: no i mean it's just i don't know there's part of me that kind of goes wow if if you keep having such bad luck Mm. is it just the universe like you were saying last week or do you need to
1: stop and and recalibrate your direction
0: and what you're doing
1: and have a think about why this keeps happening
0: you know, and there was at the same time him sort of saying, I don't really love being a rock star. I'm much happier in the garden. And I don't know.
1: It's almost like he was in the wrong place at the wrong time or on the wrong path.
0: Yeah. So 2005, the following year, another compilation came out. Buller Bass, which was split. It was a double album, was split into two halves, two discs. One called Balladeer, which had... Ballads, and the other called Rocketeer.
2: Oh wow! I Actually, had quite had a nice it.
0: cover. It was like, oh, Mark Wilkes has finally got the hang of Photoshop.
1: Need, need to look. So <laughs>
0: fish Base.
1: Wait, how do you spell boullabase? I've just got like a whole images of recipes because
0: <laughs> it's a type of soup. That's why.
1: How do you spell it?
0: B O U.
1: Oh, well, I've spelled it completely wrong. Yeah. I. Yeah.
0: Double L. A.
1: Okay, I found it. I'm still getting. Okay, much better, much better. Yeah,
0: much better, isn't it? Also had the original Marillion versions of uh, certain songs on there. You can probably guess which ones.
1: I can't. Which ones? Oh,
0: come on, Kaylee and... Oh, well, right, yeah. okay,
1: yeah. That's a great cover. I mean, it's a, a, like...
0: Wow, you're saying great that Mark Wilkinson. Wait, wait,
1: let me start that again. It's a great cover, subjectively not like... My favourite piece of art, but objectively, I quite admire the skill in it. Good.
0: And then, in the wake of that, Fish started a new relationship. Ah. With uh, Heather Findlay, who was the singer in uh, Mostly Autumn, the prog band.
1: I've heard of them.
0: Yeah, I've played them to you, Probably. Probably. Oh, God, where'd you even start with this one? (laughs)
1: You really seem hesitant.
0: Well, here's a a quote from Heather at the time. Derek is a gentleman. He's very caring and good-hearted. He cares a lot for his daughter, and that's impressive. The Derek I know is a kind man who loves his garden.
1: That's the Derek we know as well.
0: Yeah. Apparently they met at uh, Classic Rock Awards. And um,
1: Hit it off straight away I
0: got talking to him afterwards As I was talking to his daughter Tara About the music she likes Before I knew it Derek was asking what I was drinking And it just went from there He told me to call him Derek Which is great Because that's how I know him Fish is a different character from Derek It's his alter ego So then Fish proposed Well then they split up mm-hmm. And then Fish I just look You know what I'm just going to read this email from Fish That Best he sent out Go on To his, uh, it's really long. I'll have to skip through it. All right,
1: let me just have a sip of water. Yes,
0: settle in. Okay. This may take some of you completely by surprise. However, the more romantically inclined who have a sense of the undeniable will probably recognise that what I'm about to announce was written in the stars a long time ago. On February the 14th, under the central arch of the Micklegate Bar in York, I got down on one knee and proposed marriage to Heather Findlay. She accepted and we're getting married in Haddington in early August this year. This will probably go down as one of the biggest U-turns in my life, but I can honestly say I am happier now than I can remember and feel that this decision is the most natural and obvious one I could have made. When we parted at the beginning of October last year on my instigation, I had stubbornly thought I was making the correct and logical move and accepted the ensuing heartbreak with bleak stoicism. Over the next four months, I went through purgatory and embarked on my own personal road to Damascus. Never a day went by when I didn't think of her and I continued to deny my feelings for her until early until in early January, I received some unconnected Jesus Christ, he goes on. <sighs> blah, blah, blah. Some bloke in the Mostly Autumn Road crew convinced him to... <sighs> she wanted kids, he didn't. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. I told Heather that I changed my mind about having a family and I was willing to commit everything to our relationship and a life together. Heather was understandably cautious, but I assured her that this wasn't impetuous, and I had no intention of repeating my actions in October. Is, why is he saying this publicly? <sighs> Over the next week, an average of three eight hours of phone calls a night. Blah blah blah. Then he talks about how they <laughs> Again, got together.
1: Why do we need to know that. Uh,
0: no uh but i was nervous she was nervous it had been like we'd only been apart for a couple of weeks rather than four months obviously still very much in love with each other blah blah our feelings for each other were taking control of events we met blah blah met up in london went to see mostly awesome gig um arrived by train with a dozen long stem red roses and a bottle of chilled champagne one year to the date we were How on a boat
1: <sighs> chilled on the train
0: so long. Oh, God. Sorry. It just goes on and on. Anyway, he uh, he talks in detail about their actual date.
1: Oh, God, Talks why? about when they
0: first kissed. Um, no,
1: TMI.
0: Uh, something about buying the ring. Um, they snogged in the pub. Why uh, is
1: he telling us
0: this? Uh, both drunk. Then he got down on two knees. Uh, something about Argos. Um,
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't see that coming.
0: We passed the dimly lit Argos. Another chance. I don't know.
1: <laughs> okay, I really wasn't expecting. To, he's have to find Argos a ring. Name checked in this <sighs> in this letter.
0: Yeah, because it he, he looks like he proposed. Even though he wasn't being impetuous, he proposed, and they he didn't have a ring, so they had to go and like find a shop that was open to get one. Not
2: impetuous. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> It's gonna kill us. Blah blah blah. Say about the lights hitting red. Uh, got down on one knee or something.
2: Sort
1: you got down on two knees.
0: I don't know. Just lay. He lay flat on my. I lay flat on my belly and proposed. <laughs> <laughs> I lay face down, spread eagled <laughs> <laughs> on, on the cobbles, and asked her to marry me. Um. Both our sets of parents and families are overjoyed. Obviously, our close friends are incredibly happy. My daughter, Tara, is delighted. Both ecstatic and more in love than ever. It may sound strange, but... How f- long
1: have they been together by the, by this point? I don't know. Including the four-month breakup. When well, did, how long has it, had it been since they met? I don't know, but met?
0: they're in love. And the best thing that happened to us, blah, blah, blah. Despite the heartache involved, he said. Um, oh, we,
1: God, that's always a good sign to World <laughs>
0: We originally planned to get married after the touring next year. Right. But it didn't take long for both of us to elect for a wedding this summer. Both of us. To elect for a wedding this summer. That's both of us to elect for a wedding this summer (laughs) as Heather is moving into the studio in the coming months. We both felt it was the proper thing to do. Venue, blah, blah, blah. Something. uh, Then he talks about all his best men, matron of honour. I thought that I'd never get married again. It would take a very special lady to capture my heart and fulfil that place in my life. But I found one. A very special, beautiful, caring, talented, and wonderful lady. I couldn't be happier than I am just now. Happy endings do exist. I mean, e- it
2: sounds like he's happy, just. Trying no, 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 to wait. Whoa, whoa, himself. wait a minute.
0: Happy endings do exist. Oh, good. This was written in uh, on the 28th of February, 2007. This isn't going to end well, is it? So she dumped him in May. Uh, so oh, what was that? No. Uh, three months before the wedding, after it had all been booked which the wedding, which became an album launch party because the album, which was pretty much an album all about how much he loved her. Oh, um, you're
1: joking. It
0: was, well, you know what? He, uh, I'll just read out this this story because even though, you know, Fish may not like subsequently getting stories written about him in the tabloids, didn't stop him. Uh, Oh,
1: are you serious? Yeah.
0: Reports are emerging that former Marillion frontman Fish has said he's gutted after being jilted by his wife-to-be Heather Finley, and will try to cushion the hurt by holidaying in Malta with friends in August. That was going to be their honeymoon. More than 250 wedding invitations, according to the Daily Record, have been sent out and they had planned to tie the knot this summer. But last Saturday, following a huge row, Heather, 29, told Fish the wedding was off. He said, I'm gutted. I'm just angry. I'm not registering any heartache at the moment. I'm just really angry. There won't be a reconciliation. When somebody does that to you, that's somebody you don't want to be married to.
1: Well, yeah, literally. Yeah. Because they've said they don't want to marry you. So
0: Instead of being morose, I'm trying to be positive. I've got a new lawn, a new kilt, and my daughter has a new ring, as I've given her the engagement ring I've given her ever.
1: No. No, that's bad luck. Get that ring melted down and made into something else.
0: Heather later said Mm. that Fish was too wrapped up in his work that he had no time for romance. This is a later story, as in a month later. So, you know, communicating with each other through the press. I mean, really? Is this dignified? We didn't spend enough time with each other on a romantic level, she said. I think that that was the workload he had at the time. As a musician, I understood that and said on more than one occasion that the album comes first. But sometimes it was all consuming to him and I didn't realise the scale of how that would come about until I was involved in it. We all have needs emotionally and I was away from my friends and family. I just felt that I could have been nurtured romantically within the relationship a lot more. But at the same time I was thinking it won't be like this for long but August the 4th was looming and coming on fast and I felt we really had to be sure. We had one day out of the whole year that we could sit down and talk about this. There was a lot of pressure And it's so sad and a big mess for both of us to clear up. And then she said, when his album is finished and he meets somebody else, and when we settle into our own futures, things could be amicable. Not sure they ever have been.
1: Once again, something's come out of the blue and knocked down his tower that he was building. Yeah.
0: In Fish's words, in Fish's words, it was like someone had put a frag grenade in my head. This was as he was like, he was just about to record the album that he'd written a whole bunch of love songs. No. For her on. But he kept some of the songs or the, the the lyrics intact on certain tracks of what became the album 13th Star, released in 2007. But he also wrote some new lyrics. As he said, Steve was working in the control room and I was going out to the greenhouse and writing all these lyrics about the situation I was in. I went from being completely broken hearted, completely confused to being very fucking angry. And I still am. I wouldn't go out of my way to do anything i just leave it up to karma. And my karma was a fucking brilliant album. And it was. Ah. 13 stars, a really good album. He was back. He was back. He'd finally righted the ship. Right. And all it took was being dumped by Heather Finlay. Anyway, great Mark Wilkinson cover. Lovely booklet with lots of art. Great Mark Wilkinson cover. I'm saying it now. Co-written with Steve Vance. uh, It's heavier and sort of has a kind of more industrial feel. But somehow it works. Mm. It's heavier, but in a way that really works for him. In Given that I've sort of said often I didn't like his sort of rockier stuff, it felt quite a modern album. It didn't feel like it was a sort of classic rock throwback or whatever. And it's got some really nice sort of like even kind of almost poppy moments on there. Zoe 25, "Arc of the Curve is a great song. 13th Star in which Fish breaks down in at one point you hear his voice crack and they've left it in gets me every time even kind of the open track circle line square go both quite rocky and heavy but they work they work with his voice it's written mm. for his voice uh in a way that that um his voice complements it rather than sort of seems to be fighting against it yeah which is what happened with the last couple of albums is it felt like the music was pulling in one direction. His voice was struggling to keep up with it. Whereas this really felt like it, it, uh, it worked. Um, 13th star, the title of the album, by the way, was um, because he said there's been 13 women in his life who have, have been meaningful to him. Not just like, oh, a, like including his mom, mom, and, mom and grandma, and, and stuff. Sort of stuff, and of course, Heather Finley was meant to be number thirteen. Oh,
1: Unlucky thirteen.
0: Um, unlucky thirteen. In
1: this instance, um, or lucky because she brought him a great album. Yes, she inspired a great album, shall we say?
0: Uh, I mean, there's lots of lyrics on here, but they're again, they're very heartbreaky, and it's not all about that. But there is a there's a degree of it's an interesting album because it. It's quite lovelorn. It's quite romantic mm. because it was obviously a lot of it was written when he was in love, mm-hmm. as opposed to being jilted. Yeah. I'm not gonna go through the lyrics. Uh, but there's some great lyrics on the album. I will say that. It overall it just felt like a return to form. For me, in the fish pantheon of albums, there's three great albums, Vigil, Thirteen Star, and Welsh Muts. They're the oh, three essential fish albums. And I wouldn't say it had the same impact as Marbles had, but there was certainly a feeling of both for me and I think the wider audience. And I think it sort of brought back some sort of lapsed fish fans in the way that Marbles brought back some lapsed Marillion fans. There was a sense of relief
2: mm.
0: of like, okay, he's still got the chops. Now, however, live, he was struggling. His voice was in a bad way. Oh. Um so because... you couldn't tell
1: you couldn't tell on the album because the songs had been tailored to his voice, yeah, but yeah. then live,
0: live he it, was struggling, it and it really was noticeable with the reunion with Marillion, which I think, I mean, we probably talked about it on here. It was uh, uh, there was a free festival in Aylesbury that they have called the Hobble on the Cobbles, and Fish was playing a set. Mm. I remember we were in the bar, you know, in, this was in Aylesbury's... Aylesbury's Market Square,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which, which of course lent its name to the song. Of, yeah. Um, and we were in the bar, and a rumour went round that someone had seen Steve Rothery. Um,
2: right. And we wow. were like, what?
0: Seriously? And then we kind of heard more people, and we go, is it true? Is it true? And it just started picking up steam. So we went at the gig, outside gig, and then, yeah, the last track, Fish introduced Marillion. And they all came out and they played Market Square Heroes. Now, if you listen to it back, mm. ropey AF because you know, they're doing their thing. Fish is doing his thing, and his voice is not up to it. At the time, there were men openly weeping in that audience.
1: Were there? Yeah. Wow. It was.
0: I mean, I look. Marillion and Anne Fish have so both was- said have both said mm. it was it was a mistake because it got on the news. Uh, Marillion reunite. Oh, uh, Marillion are back together. No, and it, oh, it fueled, H. yeah, it fueled the whole reunion talk,
2: right?
1: Yeah,
0: um, whereas but was what was it
1: completely unexpected?
0: Yeah, right. It was all apparently quite last minute because I think he'd got together with Mark or something, and it was all in the wake of him splitting with Heather Finley,
2: right?
0: And they, you know, having been become sort of more at peace with with fish you know as the years had gone on they just wanted to do it for a mate who was going through a tough time yeah uh that was how they explained it they thought it would be a bit of fun it was in aylesbury it was you know on the market square their mate who they'd been in a band with was having a bit of a rough time they thought it'd be a laugh but it became this huge story I mean, I feel privileged to have seen it because it ain't ever going to happen again.
1: No,
2: right, yeah. <laughs> it's
0: never. The reaction to it was like, you know, setting fire, you know, a fire under a rocket. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you of know, those I mean, for it to end stories. up on
1: the news. I know,
0: I know. It was mad. So he was struggling and he his voice was clearly not holding up on stage. That was really apparent at that time. He was told by a specialist that he had a growth on his vocal cords and then there was three months where he basically didn't know while he was waiting for an operation A, whether it was cancer God. and B, whether he'd ever be able to sing again.
1: Oh, no. Yeah.
0: And she said, apparently this is called an a fish. She said he went in. For, I went in for that operation. Apparently she went in with a scalpel, touched the cyst, and she said it exploded. <gasps> <laughs> she said you had a cyst on your vocal cords for three, for probably three years. And so he had that operation. Then at the end of 2009, he had another one,
1: another, another cyst.
0: cyst. And then he got married for six months. What? I
1: didn't he, see he got that.
0: Married coming. again in 2009.
1: Who did he marry? Uh,
0: a woman called Katie. However, two weeks before he married Katie, Mm -hmm. nine years or so after splitting up with Tamara, Mm -hmm. she sold a story uh, to a tabloid.
1: Katie or Tamara? Tamara. Two weeks before marrying Katie.
0: Yeah, a, a story appeared in the tabloids with Tamara, which Tamara had apparently sold her story of being married to Fish for a reported seven grand, in which the thrust of it was domestic violence.
1: Oh, no. And that scared Katie off.
0: No, 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 no. I'll get to that. I mean, there was lots of... I'm not going to go through the article beat by beat, but she accused him of sort of, you know, no surprise here, snotty cocaine and wild drink and drug parties, cheated on her during a string of affairs, allegedly threw their daughter out on the street. I mean, you know, history records that Tim um, Tamara and, or Tara, Fish's daughter and Fish have a great relationship and he's still close to her quite clearly. And mm-hmm. I think years on, I think he's even reconciled with her mum right. now. Yeah. As as much out the blue as this might have come. She tells a story of how basically he wore her down to go out with him and wore her down to marry him.
1: Right. Uh, he seems like quite a force of nature.
0: Yeah, she wasn't interested and apparently he just was very insistent. Mm. Yeah, you know, initially getting her you know, pestering her to be in the video for Kaylee and then the star bombarded Tamara's family with lengthy love letters and late-night phone calls. A few weeks after Fish left Germany, he started writing letters to my mum. I didn't even live with her, but that didn't stop him. He'd talk about how he was in love and wanted me to come to Britain. Then the phone calls started when he had been drinking at all hours of the night.
1: Oh, dear. So this is while he was with Marillion. Yep. But instead of running the other way, she went towards that behaviour and was like, OK, then I'll go out with Well, as
0: she sort of says, there was. I think she was... Certainly look, as she says in this kiss and tell effectively, or mm. marry and tell. Yeah. I think kiss she and marry. she was seduced. She was seduced by the rock star life. You know, she got to yeah. hang out with Queen and Spandau ballet and you know, big bands of the eighties. Right. George Michael's another one she mentioned. Apparently she claims or she claimed that Freddie Mercury had a bit of a thing for fish
2: <gasps> Did and he? didn't like her. Oh really uh, <laughs>
0: She says it was a dream to come through to have that sort of lifestyle, but it soon turned into my worst nightmare. Within a few months, Fish started having fights with Tamara that became more and more violent. I started to get fed up with the constant partying. It became too much. No one can take that amount of drink and drugs all the time and be okay. Uh, Looking back, I don't know if there were many times when he was actually sober. It wasn't like he was staggering around drunk, but he always had a drink in his hand from the minute he got up in the morning. Everyone around us was doing the same sort of thing, and I was in love with him by this point. Fish repeatedly begged Tamara to marry him and eventually she gave in. we had only been together properly for a few months but Fish would not give up and eventually I accepted. I thought it might make things calm down a bit between us.
1: It's not really a good idea to marry, agree to marry someone to calm them down.
0: Anyway, of the 250 guests invited to the lavish event, only 20 were Tamara's relatives and friends from Germany. Instead, Marillion, Iron Maiden and Spandau Ballet took over the day. What? In the months leading up to it, the fights between Fish and his fiance continued. The arguments just got worse and worse. Anytime we were out at a party, there would be a huge row afterwards. He would shout and swear right into my face. It was really scary, and I started to have second thoughts about the wedding. I wouldn't say it was the happiest day of my life. Far from it. I had major doubts, and they were made so much worse by the fact Fish turned, into an, uh, Fish turned it into another cocaine party.
1: Their wedding?
0: Yeah. The drugs parties continued night after night. It started to wear me down. Fish became really controlling and paranoid any time I left the house. I couldn't go to the hairdressers or shops without him accusing me of meeting men for affairs. I didn't feel like I had a life back then. Everything I did had to revolve around him. In 1989, after a string of bust-ups from split, leaving Fish devastated. The split hit him hard and I felt really sorry for him. The move up north was such a big change from what he had been used to and it was tough but Fish was always really cocky about how talented he was and decided to move out on his own as a solo artist, blah, blah, blah. Then she talks about all the money spent on the studio. Fish began recording a new solo album, but even after Tamara fell pregnant in 1990, their rows didn't stop. She said by this point, Fish had really lost it and started giving him more and more to his paranoia. He accused me of having affairs, even though I was pregnant and emotional. I hadn't cheated on him, even though I was certain he had affairs when he was on tour. You blame her for sending the fucking story to the mm. press. Um, but he his warped head got it all wrong. He kept calling me a whore and saying the baby wasn't his. It was a horrible time. Fish started to drink heavily. He would sink two or three bottles of wine a day, and drugs were always around. We would have huge fights and he would shout in my face and pin me against walls. Fish threw a big party for my birthday, his 30th. I ended up chatting to a producer we knew in the lounge. It was just the two of us, but we were genuinely just talking. Out of his head on coke as usual, Fish burst in and started screaming that we were having an affair. He ran to the kitchen while the producer ran out of the house. Then Fish came back to the lounge. He was roaring hoar and foaming at the mouth. I put up my hands to shield myself, but he hit me. I ended up with cuts on the arm and cheek that night. I looked down, the floor turned red. There was blood everywhere. I managed to call the police while Fish stood there in a daze. When they arrived, I was checked over and bandaged up. There was no long-term damage, but the police wanted me to charge Fish for my own protection. I couldn't do it. He was still till I was dad and my head was all over the place. And Tamara, at an all-time low, fell into the arms of two other men. She said, after seeing fish like that, I had two short affairs lasting a few months. She says, this is why she's written it. This is why she's written it. Because he accused her of having affairs. Mm. She says, I think I was trying to get back at him, although I didn't tell him we, until we eventually broke up. I was so hurt that he could treat me like that after everything I'd done for him, but it didn't make me feel any better. And I started to realise our marriage was in tatters. So then she was diagnosed with cervical cancer when she was 33. Scariest time of my life, she says. After the op, I had a horrible two-week wait to find out if I was going to be okay. I was so weak, but as usual, Fish offered me no support and he hardly helped with our young daughter. Oh, thankfully, I was really lucky and they caught it in time. But Watching the way my husband failed to help me was a wake-up call. I decided to give the marriage one last go for my daughter's sake and if it didn't work, I would leave. She stayed for another three years, but again, life spiraled out of control. Apart from those few months when I did stray twice, I'd been loyal, despite being sure that it had a string of affairs. People let it slip that it'd been with girls on all those tours. The final straw for Tamara came in early 2001 when Fish threatened to smash a vodka bottle over her head. She recalled he had just got out of bed in the morning when he flew off the handle over something stupid. The next thing I knew, he had grabbed the vodka bottle and he was holding it above my head. He was so angry, but what frightened me most was the fact he was sober. And I left him and took Tara back to Berlin. Then I'm not gonna read any more loads. She added sadly, after all these years all these years I've stayed silent even while Fish slagged me off claiming I took all his money. I got next to nothing from that man except heartache. I just hope that if he reads this he'll finally realise what he's done.
1: it's heavy and quite it's a bit of a shock. I mean It does feel Yeah, it's a shock.
0: It feels a bit Uh, to me like reaping what you sow. He he said stuff publicly. Yeah. That she didn't have, or feel perhaps she had a right, uh, well, a, he slandered form her publicly, really.
1: Yeah. Let's say, if, if what he said wasn't true and he kept saying how she was cheating on him and stuff, and she hadn't been.
0: Well, regardless, look, I don't want to get, I, I don't, I really don't want to get into kind of what was true and what wasn't. Oh, true. I have no idea because what was
2: true and what wasn't. Fish, we Fish replied, we, and, and I'll read that. I'll read that. It's
0: none of our business. But uh, the reason why I mention it here. Mm. <sighs> well, A, this is, look, this is about my relationship as, as a Fish fan with Fish. Mm. Did this impact it? Yeah, it did. Um, so did
1: you read this article at the time? Yeah, and I and read... how did you feel at the time? The
0: same it? way I do now, which is, well, Fish, you brought this on yourself. Regardless of whether you did any of the things that, that she accused him of. Yeah. And I've edited out quite a lot of what she said, but it's out there if people want to go and find it. Yeah. Um, you know it is out there. If people want to go and find it for themselves, I've, I've cut a lot of it out. But my feeling was, well, that's you know, mate. She didn't have a she didn't have a platform like you do, mm. in order to you know I say guess, what you want. And there's always two sides to every story. Yeah.
1: And I guess if she's been, if someone's accused you of something, it's only fair that you have you have a right to reply. Yeah. You know why should it be just one person with the with the voice
0: there's two sides to every single story it's it's never as cut and dried as oh they cheated or oh i was cheated upon you know it's but anyway fish did did issue a statement and he said it's been a tough couple of days for myself and katie as we've been dealing with the fallout fallout from the article in the news of the world i admit to having raged on reading what i considered was a very unbalanced and exaggerated disclosure which was badly written and contained a number of general factual errors that could have been easily rectified with due diligence and without my input. Blah, blah, blah. Then he talks about how he'd been suspicious that that this story was going to be coming because apparently Tamara had rung him up and asked for some dates off him. But he says it didn't come as much as a surprise as I've been expecting such a move for quite a while with an impending marriage. The timing, timing was cynical, malicious, and deliberately intended to be hurtful. Although I am currently estranged from our daughter, I was sad to read the version of events in the News of the World article as related by my ex-wife. I strongly disagree with what was said and with a number of incidents mentioned in the article, there are witnesses who have a very different perspective on what happened. In saying all that, I have no intention of taking legal action. I do not believe that bringing my 18-year-old daughter into a wrangle between my ex-wife and myself is a decent or adult approach. And as my daughter is attempting to sort out her own life at the moment... She does not need the emotional trauma of being asked to testify against her parents in a court case or exposed to a tit for tat newspaper war. I will deal with the history of events from my perspective in my book in a less sensational manner and will readily document my part in what became a dark travesty of a marriage. I am no angel and did more than my fair share of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Nobody died. I have never been warned, arrested, or charged with any count of violence, and in my divorce, there was no mention of domestic violence. However, I am not the devil portrayed in the article by a sad, bitter woman who resents my current happiness with Katie and who has gone out of her way to disrupt our lives and cause as much pain as possible through using our own daughter against us. I would have liked to have thought that after being separated for nine years and officially divorced since 2003, that my ex-wife would have let things lie. But obviously she feels differently. Retribution? I'll just leave it to karma. So, um... Yeah, I read that as well at the time. And you know what? I thought, fucking hell, fuck off. Sorry, bitter, bitter. He's bitter and angry. He didn't come across well in that response at all. Mm. He didn't. It really coloured him against me. Not so much the original story, which of course we know how the tabloids work, but it was more his response. I thought he could have taken the moral high ground, but he he chose to get some potshots in.
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: So then, uh, oh my God. So then Katie left him.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: The official line is, she didn't like living up in Scotland. She went home to visit her family on Boxing Day and never came back. Wow. So he got after he got dumped by Heather Findlay, he went to Vietnam. Yes. Where he went on holiday by himself, inspired to write the song Perfume River. Yes. And came up with a title for his autobiography.
1: A drift on a perfumed river.
0: Yes. Again, unwritten autobiography. I mean, imagine if he'd gone to Centre Park's. (laughs) fish's autobiography cycling i went i went to through, center parks
1: cycling through a family resort
0: yeah fish's autobiography you can do archery swimming and cycling all in one day that's there's an unwieldy title but, but it's what he's no for. um so then he came back from Vietnam he said when I was out there I had a lot of time to think about what was me and how the FL got there I came back and then shortly afterwards met my second wife out the blue and a year later got married thinking everything's brilliant then six months after that suddenly my voice is shot again for the second time and my second wife has left me six days after I came out of hospital I had kind of hoped that the second marriage would be a happy ending to the book Oh no But suddenly the whole thing had gone tits up again
1: Oh <sighs> Man
0: So then 2013 Comes around This is the longest gap He's had between albums
1: How many years Six years Six. Six years Wow Merillion levels
0: Yeah And this was the point At which Fish was talking About retiring
1: Ah Already uh, so long ago
0: Well who can blame him Two, Oh you can't blame 2013, him 2013 So it was the uh Feast of Consequences album What I will say uh, though
1: Okay What I was there You
0: were there Uh as a postscript to the previous era Fisher clearly made things out with Tara and Tamara because they both appear in the video to the single Blind to the Beautiful.
1: Oh okay, I don't mind that song.
0: Yeah, it's quite a nice it's song. It's an
1: alright song.
0: And it's an alright album.
1: It's an alright album.
0: It's an okay For the most album. Part. He's got a uh, you know, decent producer again. He sorted things out financially. But, you know, it was still his his life was still relentlessly troubled.
2: Mm.
0: Fish really struggled in between the two albums, which in what is way? well. He said he said for me the first six months of of 2010, every morning was full of I love yous and every night was like a mortar attack. I've never known a more emotionally confusing time in my life. I decided to go out on an acoustic tour. We ran it like a guerrilla style operation and slimmed it right down. So we could get into areas that could, we could never have done with that. This is what we must have kind of attitude that finished in 2011. And I wanted to distance myself from the darkness that I was in. I didn't want to write about a shitty marriage or writing about the woman <laughs> in capitals. Mm. Yeah, it is here. That was the first fish tour. that I think I thought I'm, I don't want to go.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: I didn't go on the uh, acoustic tour. I didn't bother buying tickets. Even though the previous hour had been a good one, the tabloid stories, the, ta- yeah, I was the going to constant say the constant decisions that came back to bite him, I have to say all of it coloured my feelings towards him. All of it did. Rightly or wrongly, I-, I can't help it. And, it, you know, that coupled with how I felt at Fish gigs, you know, less welcome. Yeah. Coupled to a really patchy career with a lot of music that wasn't my cup of tea. mm I'd would gone, gone off him. And even though Feast of Consequences, when it came out, was an all right album,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I didn't love it. I, and I wasn't that interested when it came out. And it, it, it's broadly, it's a decent album. He said, it, it, his words, uh, he said, I thought I had to bring a, a writer in to help him write the album. Before that, I was really getting down about it and questioning whether I could even make another album. I'd had a major fallout with Steve Vance, who had been his co-writer on 13th Star in 2008. It was over a lot of little things, just business crap. And we had been friends for such a long time that when he came along to a couple of gigs on the acoustic tour, it felt right to shake hands and make up. So we made it up up with Steve Vastis. So that was good. So he was involved with the writing of Feast of Consequences. And it's a decent album, but it has got... And this is going to be... You know, I like Perfume River... I quite like the song "Face the Consequences." The other side of me is good.
1: Yeah, um, I have to say I've listened to it, and and I think it's an okay album. It's an
0: okay album. Unfortunately, it does have the Highwood Suite on there. Now that's the song that you saw live that you have described as your worst ever gig experience. <laughs> it. <laughs> it's a. It's I a. I mean,
1: yeah. The rest of the album was alright. When it got to that song, it started, and I was just like. Might just step out, go to the loo, because it lasts a while. Went to the loo, came back, it was still going. I wasn't in the mood for it. It, It's not a song that I love or enjoy, so I was like, okay, I'm going to step out and call my kids and see how they are.
0: You had a long old chat, didn't you? And eventually, eventually, I came and joined you because even I found it hard going. (laughs) What I don't get, It,
1: (laughs) it was like it never ended.
0: What I don't get about Highwood. It's a song that people seem to think is a fish classic. Do uh, they? And Fish seems to think it's one of his it's one of the songs that he's most proud of.
1: Really? Oh, and
0: it's no. not I mean, technically it's Sorry. not one song. It's a no, sweet It's a sweet. It's more sweet than one song, but it's twenty minutes and it's I I don't get it. I, long find, suite. I find it really leaden mm. as a piece of music. I find I don't
1: it... want to see it live. Oh. Ever. I find like it, ever again, I find
0: it really hard going. Yeah, me I too. I don't get it, and I'm sorry because. And other than that, there's actually not a track on the album I dislike.
1: That's true. You know, actually, the other yeah. side of
0: me, the great unraveling, I like all, all of quite those. Good. Yeah. That's the irony. The song that people kind of call the best one
1: is, is the one yeah. that I, I thought it was just me.
0: Yeah, I like least.
1: I really wanted to like it, and I did try, and it. I I just couldn't. Yep. I just I cannot stand in a crowd listening to it for that long.
0: The, lyrically, it's really interesting, and it, but it awoke something in Fish because apparently he did a lot of research that went into that song about right. the First World War. Yeah. And that appealed, I think, to the writer in him. And that certainly led to what we got on Welch Schmerz oh, seven years yeah. later. But there's a general sense with this album of him, and he, it, that there were very few love songs or heartbreak songs
1: oh interesting you know on there yeah The
0: but there is a song called The Other Side of Me which seems to be a love song to himself so it feels like at least in who he is he's turned a corner
1: he's, he's starting to develop a relationship with himself
0: yes yeah yes Uh and on top of that you know he's clearly sorted things out with Tamara and Tara that's all good and positive and broadly it's a good album but we did go and see him live and I didn't love gig Mm. on that tour didn't we and that was i think no we have seen him since we did see him
1: since then i think i saw him maybe once since then yeah and that really for me was on an emotional level just the final straw yeah
0: it was for me i hate to say
1: that sounds mean and i and you know because i just remember thinking to myself i didn't think oh i don't want to see him again after that but when it came around to you telling me he was touring one more time, I at that point did think to myself, I don't want to go.
0: Yeah. Well, I and I didn't. think you'd yeah. bought
1: tickets without even asking me. Whether well, I no, the most recent one. But tour. then, but the most no, recent... this is the one before oh, okay. then
0: that we didn't go to. Because you had uh. a bad
1: back. But uh-huh. I was like, oh, if Paul hadn't already bought tickets, I would have said, I don't want to go. Yeah. Um, and this was and between. And then we had a bad back and we didn't go anyway. And it was like, thank goodness for that.
0: This was in the gap between Feast of Consequences and Welsh that yes. I stopped. I just stopped yes. going to see Fish Live. We saw him one more time, didn't we? We went with Anthony and his lovely wife.
1: Oh, was that a fish?
0: Yeah, that was in London.
1: Oh, this that's the time I'm thinking of.
0: Which Dave. is really interesting because she's not a Marillion fan.
1: No. But
0: she enjoyed that gig more than Marillion, if I'm right.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Anthony should have
0: done a podcast with her because she hates Marillion. Then got- <laughs> <laughs>
1: she doesn't hate them, she's not a fan. She enjoys She's the She's not a massive weekend. fan, but she doesn't. She's hate coming them. to Poland with us, isn't yeah, she? Jan? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. She goes to the. I'm not mentioning
0: her name, but Jan. Is someone allowed to say Jan. I'm allowed to say her name, aren't I? Jan. Well, you, you have lovely. now. I have now.
1: Yeah.
0: Jan fine. gets a shout out on here. It's quite right. Hey, hey, Jan. Uh, we'll be calling him today, but Jan, Jan's not pedantic at all. No. She's normal, unlike her oh, husband.
1: Oh, Paul.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. He loves it when I take the piss out. I of
1: thought him we went to see did we go to two gigs with them then? In the same yes. location. That's why I'm getting yes. confused. Yes, we went
0: to see uh, Pineapple Pineapple
1: Thief. Thief. That's it.
0: Yeah, in the same location.
1: Yeah, it was in the same location. But yeah, I'm not... Maybe when he announces his final tour, I'll go just because it's well, a piece of history. But I'm telling you, my heart sinks at the idea. Here's the thing. It's two hours of your life. No, no, they have no. To be standing off. It, 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 it's
0: not, Sonia. It's not. No, it's going to be. It's it's going to be over three nights.
1: Oh God.
0: On uh, I watched yesterday. <laughs> I watched yesterday. I don't know his, if I can do it. His New Year's Eve fish on Friday,
1: right?
0: Which had his sister on there. Oh,
1: really? Yeah,
0: who seemed lovely, oh. by the way? Also, do you know who seemed lovely? Fish.
2: Aww. I'm going
0: to say it. He was lovely on it.
2: Aww. You
0: know, he had friends over and he seemed lovely. Uh, and I felt a bit bad that we were doing this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this. no. But
1: um, but it hasn't stopped you.
0: But, I mean, it was. it's still a bit weird that he's got friends over and he's just like playing a load of his own music and making them dance to it. You know, it's fine. He is fish. Uh, but, yeah, he did sort of say there's so many songs that he wants to play, such as Highwood uh, and Plague of Ghosts. That he says I can't just do one night; I have to do two or three in the same location, and then play a different set every night. Mm. So, how about that, Sonia?
1: How about that? <laughs> how about that? <laughs> That's
0: put you right off, isn't it?
1: A little bit, yeah. I understand that you need to go.
0: Oh God, go for the purposes of this podcast.
1: <laughs> it's a Marillion um, podcast So
0: look, I'm not I'm not going to get into it Because we covered Welsh I think we, didn't uh, yeah, it, I think didn't we,
1: we? did Yeah, I think we
0: did Yeah We know in the run up to Welsh He had all sorts of problems Yeah uh, Health wise
1: mm-hmm. He had
0: sepsis Oh um, If you remember He had uh, Operations on his spine and his shoulder His dad died He Got depression
2: He's
1: really been through it
0: He's really Cancer scares Uh, And he massively lost himself in his garden as a way of coping. But on top of that...
1: His garden is amazing.
0: His garden is amazing. I am a fan of his garden. garden. I would
1: go and see his garden live any day.
0: But he also married again.
1: He did. and Simona. Yeah, he he seems quite happy. It seems from me who doesn't know anything about him. (laughs) But from the little I've seen and heard from you... They seem like a really good match. Well, do you
0: know what? More than that, he just seems more settled in himself.
2: Mm.
0: You know, all the turbulence that has clearly been his life. Mm -hmm. All of the freaking ups and downs. The fact that he was able to kind of put a sell-by date on his career and go that this next album will be my last one. Now he's even saying, oh, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe I've played my last gig. Wow. He does sort of say that he'll, you know, if he, want, he feels the need, he'll go out and do an acoustic show or a little short acoustic tour, but he's not recording any more albums. He wants to write his book and his screenplay that he's been talking about for the last 40 years.
1: So when's this his garden. final tour due to happen? <laughs> it's
0: not going to happen this year. He said that it might happen in 2023. Okay. It might, but might. again, it depends on the way How the world feels. goes, you know, yeah. and he's going to be a lot older. True. Yeah, you know, he's already struggling. As he said, you know, part of the reason he doesn't want to do it anymore is because travelling on a bus, which is the only way he can do it. Mm. He doesn't, it's not comfortable for him because he's six and a half foot tall.
1: Yeah, good point.
0: But Welch Schmerz, as we said on um, the podcast, is genuinely, it's a great album. This is the, It's sad for me as well because it was the sort of album I wished he'd been doing more of, where these big theatrical Epics where he could tell a story, where mm-hmm. he could really get his teeth into, as he described it, sort of tell a story of these people who are in dark places, sort to make people feel sort of less alone.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the bigness of it all—it's beautifully produced. It's so well written that album. His voice—it's written for his voice. He's got over all those voice problems, you know. But it's written for the voice he has now, and it—it's—it's it's genuinely. Is it his best album? Possibly. But it's one of those three. Yeah, and you could maybe put Sunsets on Empire in there as well. So there's four kind of essential cool albums. fish albums that I think everyone should get. Vigil, Sunsets on Empire, 13th Star and Welsh Mertz. And when it came out and I got it, and there's that lovely, in the booklet at the back, there's the, the drawing of the jester, but he's old now. Um but I say I've said this before and this is what got us on this sort of journey of these episodes is is it feels like the right time if Marillion left the stage now and said we're retiring I'd be upset but I don't feel sad that Fish is mm. you know how yeah you know how when someone old dies yes it's sad yes but it's not a tragedy it's sad
1: because you <laughs> um, you know you're going to miss them and you won't see them again yeah but, it, yeah, it doesn't feel tragic.
0: It doesn't always feel premature. Sometimes,
1: sometimes it feels like a relief
0: yeah. for them. Put them out of their suffering. That they, Yeah. And that's what it feels like for me with Fish. And that suffering that has been very well documented because God is a man who likes to talk. Mm. And sometimes that mouth has got him into trouble, mm-hmm. as well we know, on many occasions. Going through that and seeing that, because he talked about it so much, I think for me it overshadowed the music. Right. Every tour there was some drama. Every album there was some drama leading into it. The relationship problems, which had been cute in Misplaced Childhood, you know, or Misplaced Childhood back in that era, ceased to be cute and became a pattern. And I'm not just talking about kind of the romantic relationships, just the relate the fallouts with people, the bear, you know, the all of that. I suppose there are times when I question who who is this person that I'm a fan of? Is it someone that, you know, as I got older, there's a thing I always remember years ago I went to a funeral of a family member um, that I hadn't seen since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And there were other family members there mm-hmm. who at the time when I was younger, I thought they're cool. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw them as an adult, it was a very different experience. And I think having grown up with Fish, I relate to him as an adult very differently to how I did as a teenager. Does this make yeah, any sense? Yes, it's making sense. Where instead of kind of going, this is someone I've put on a pedestal, I kind of you, go...
1: It's almost like with time and with experience and maturity it's brought a kind of light mm. to your in your it's it's lit up the image of fish and lighting up the image has shown maybe the imperfections yeah. whereas looking through the eyes of a child or a teenager your vision's not as clear
0: yeah and i think And this was one of the things that when we went back and looked at those Marillion albums, something that really disappointed me was the the amount of drug references. Now, Fish is far from the first rock star to, to do drugs, but it's never been part of my life. And there was part of me that was really disappointed in that, how much, how important it was to him. And that took some of the shine off it. Clearly, I mean, I don't want to speak for later years, but you know, by himself, his own admission, they've been a part of his life. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. That's not someone that I kind of put on a pedestal. Sorry, I don't. I find it a bit grubby. And yeah, maybe that's me taking the moral high ground. Maybe it's just a prejudice that I have in me, but it's there. And it has affected again, my relationship with fish. Uh and I don't know, um, and all of it, all of it has overshadowed the music. And going back, there have been moments in those albums going back for the purposes of this where I've kind of gone, some of that's a damn sight better than I remember. And That's great. You know, he has got ultimately a, a record catalogue to be proud, that he should be proud of because there's some really good stuff in there. A lot of it, I kind of go, it's good, but it's not for me. Some of it is bad, is out and out bad, but also it's bad because the poor guy had so much crap going on in his life. Mm. How yeah. do you expect anyone to produce great art? And that's another thing, I suppose. I wonder how much of it for him it was art and how much of it was business. a job. Yeah. And that's fine because, you know, I, I write for a living and most of what I do to earn my money is a job for me. It's not, you know, I don't see it as a, you know, some great romantic expression of, of artistic intent. I do it to earn money. To but that's a,
1: the stuff you're writing for other people. It's yes, not stuff you're putting out as. Yeah, I put Paul stuff Rose. out as me
0: as well. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and there's a difference, I think, mm. in those two things.
0: Yeah, there is. There is a difference in the two. And then, you know, if we are again, this is the purpose of this exercise, and then. Uh, there were points where I questioned how much he was into it, where it felt like he was, yeah, because he was trying to earn money, which I don't fault him for. Oh my God. You know, the guy had at least wanted to keep a roof over his family's head and,
2: yeah, well, you know, true. keep the wall exactly. from the
0: door. We all want to do that. Yeah. There's
1: nothing wrong with there's that. There's
0: nothing wrong with that. However, the amount of times he'd talk about writing a book or a screenplay and I would just kind of go, go off and do it, you know, stop doing this. Stop, torturing yourself with something you may not be enjoying. And whether that, again, rightly or wrongly, but that was the sense I got. That was what I felt from public statements that he made. And often often at points, the work he was putting out, it didn't feel, I don't know, <sighs> felt a bit unloved at times. Mm. Uh, so how am I expected to love it?
1: Mm. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. But for all that, I've I've also got a lot of respect for him as a survivor and someone who managed to put out work in oftentimes difficult circumstances. And the fact that he survived, the fact that he's still going, the fact or you know, or at least kept going until Welshmertz, and the fact he's kept up fish on Friday, and he seems settled and happy and content with his garden. All of that, I've got huge respect for him. And he was my idol as a kid, but I'm not a kid anymore. And so when people kind of are surprised by my response to the fish's global broadcast, still can't say it, um, all of that is feeding into it. Mm. But also I kind of see a man there who I don't recognise from the one that I grew up, you know, looking up to. I don't see the fish that stood up there doing the global broadcast as the same man
2: Mm.
0: by any means. He doesn't sound the same, doesn't look the same, doesn't act the same. And some of that is just age and some of it is just... He just seems tired mm. and he's felt tired to me for quite a time and I just want to put him out of his misery. Go do your garden. Go and smell the roses. Anyway, I've said enough. There
1: you go, everyone. All of
0: you at home won't know this, but we've been talking, for, I've been talking for over three hours. Yeah. My voice is shot. I, bet. I sound like has- I, I sound like fish.
2: He doesn't sound
0: as good on the podcast as he used to.
1: (laughs) Go and do your garden, Paul.
0: I wish him all the best, but there's a reason this is a Marillion podcast and not a Marillion and Fish Solo podcast. And that's because I've stayed in love with Marillion. Okay, that's been an epic. Send us some emails about Fish Solo, bampod at gmail.com. If you want to hear... Bonus stuff if you wanna watch us doing stupid videos. If you just wanna support the podcast, you can on ww.patreon.com slash That would be lovely. You get bonus content. you get to find out a bit more about us and what awful people we are, so you can go off us. <laughs> Sonia's laughing, but she's doing it in that silent way where it makes it look like I just laugh at myself.
1: I've got I've got no laughter left.
0: No. After today, the, the after. day the laughter died—that's the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the day the laughter died. All right, everyone, I'm off for uh, lie down in a quiet room and um, speak to you soon.
1: Okay. Bye. Bye.